God's great. God's greater. If you remember from last week, we, st- we kicked this off last week talking about how God is greater, and you see the greater than sign up there. Nothing. Nothing fits on this side with God. Everything is less than God. God is greater than everything. If you remember from last week, we talked about space, and really, I think we just barely touched the tip of the iceberg how big God is. But it was so big, our minds can hardly fathom the vastness, the greatness. God is so big. God is so great. And He's worthy to be praised. And um, it's my desire today that you find a reason to praise the Lord today. All you have to do is just go looking. All you have to do is just go looking for God and you'll find Him. God is greater. Everybody say, God is greater. What is God greater than? Everything. Today, today, God is greater than you. He's greater than me. That may sound so silly, but mankind has battled this from day one, this battle of God and God being greater than us. Ever since Adam and Eve, there's been a battle. The serpent came to Adam and Eve and said, wait a minute, what has God said? God said, don't don't do this. Why would he say that? He's holding back on you. If you would eat from this fruit, you would know what God knows. You would be God. And what do we do? We eat the fruit. Adam does the typical thing and blames it on his wife. He says, this woman you gave me, God. Come on, Adam. Isn't it easy to blame? But from day one, we've been battling this thing of who is God. And Satan, from day one, lied to man. Lied to man about God. God was looking out for man. But I want you to realize, God is greater than you. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched a line upon it. Verse 6, to what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together? And all the sons of God shouted for joy. Did I get ahead of myself? Yeah, I did. That's all right. Where were you when we start getting the big head? Anybody ever gotten the big head? It happens regularly. It happens regularly. Where were you? So often we start thinking the world revolves around me. Now, we're not so dumb that we would just go say that. But our life reflects a lifestyle that the world revolves around me and my needs, my desires. God, me, me, me. The problem is, and I don't know you young kids have ever heard this expression, but I'm going to get a little country on you. You get too big for your britches. I always hated that expression because we never use the word britches in normal context. 
So why even use that? It just sounds country. And, you know, we're Cookville. We're not country. And people outside of Cookville are like, yeah, you are. You're country. Well, sometimes we get too big for our britches. We must have the revelation. Now, hear me, church. We must have the revelation of the sovereignty of God. You know what that means? Uh, again, here comes a mind-blowing moment that God knows what's going on from beginning to end. He is in full control. We question so many things, but we can trust God. That He knows, that He has it under control. Sovereignty, the supreme power or authority. Everything is under God's control. Let's continue on. Back to Job 34. So listen to me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God to do evil from the Almighty for the from the Almighty to do wrong. He repays everyone for what they have done. He brings on them what their conduct deserves. Verse 12. It is unthinkable that God would do wrong, that the Almighty would pervert justice. Who appointed him over the earth? Who put him in charge of the whole world? Verse 14. If it were his intention and he withdrew his spirit and his breath, all humanity would perish together and mankind would return to the dust. I want to ask you that question again. Where were you when the earth was created? Where were you when God breathed life into man? This is not a, a, a stomp on human day. God doesn't stomp on us. This is a day to realize who your daddy is. Do you realize when you go to war, who goes with you? I think we don't because so many times we go to war without him. So many times we go to war without the first thought of God and we forget who we have. I forget who I am. Have you ever forgot who you were? The prodigal forgot who he was. And do you know the word says he came to himself? He came to himself. What, what does that mean? It means he stopped and thought just for a minute about who he really was. And you know what? Even what he thought was off. He sat there and thought, if I could just go back to my daddy and be a servant in my daddy's household, I'll be better off than I am now. He had forgot who he was. He had forgot what his daddy thought about him. That when he went home, his dad would say, you're not my servant, you're my son. We forget who we are. The revelation is that we've got to start with how great God is to realize and grasp that God is God. The church has forgotten that God is God. You know, but, you know, it's easy to come in on Sunday morning and to acknowledge God as God. That's pretty easy, isn't it? But when you go home and you go back to your job and hell hits, you forget God as God. And we start crying, God, why, why me? Or maybe we don't even cry out to God. Maybe we just cry, why me? We forget God is God. It's easy to sing that song that uh, Brandy so beautifully sang about oceans. How God will rescue us. 
how God is with us. He is so big. But can you remember that tomorrow? Remember it to a point that you acknowledge God and you walk with God. Man, that's a big word if you can somehow take it home. Church isn't meant to stay at church. If he withdrew his spirit and his breath, all humanity would die. We would not even exist without God. He is the beginning and the end. The end. That's it. He is it. No more to be said. This is the place to start. God is God. God is God of my life. God is the God of this universe. There is no other. There is none beside Him. There is none above Him. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord. That is the start. That is where we have to start. God is God and I am His creation. You and I are not the center of the universe. Isaiah chapter 66. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you would build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hands have made and all those things exist. Can you hear what he's saying? Build me a house. I created all that stuff. That's all mine already. I did, uh, by the way, I did that. Everything that exists, I did that. He's basically saying, what can you do? Nothing. I'm God. I can do. I am here for you. I am God. Consider my glory, my ability, my power. What can you add to what I do? Psalm chapter 8, verse 3. When I consider your heavens and the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? The psalmist here shows the littleness of physical man and the greatness of God. But although that man is so minuscule in God's creation, do you realize that man is the pinnacle of creation and is the object? We are the object of God's watchful care. So, Now that maybe we've kind of stripped it down to the bottom, let's start building it back up. God does not condemn us. God does not put us down. God is so good. And he is so great. It says in Psalm 139, How precious also are your thoughts toward me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more than the number in the sand. Justin was, Pastor Justin was praying this morning that um, the, the kids at Avery Trace would have that moment where they realize God is saying, I haven't forgotten about you. I want you to hear me, church, that God has not forgotten about you. His thoughts about you outnumber the sand. It is, it is, it is, a, it, it is an amount of thoughts that we cannot compute. That's how much he thinks about you. That's how great he is, the greatness of God and his love and attention toward little old us. 
Point number one today as God being great. God is your creator. You know, I hate to even go down this road. This, this isn't in my notes, but I'm just going to say it. How could a bang happen and life show up? The Big Bang Theory, I just don't get it. I mean, just an explosion in, in life. Well, I've exploded things before, and life didn't come out of them. I'm trying to fight with you just a little bit. Those of you that, that have a hard time with God as creator, God is your creator. We were created in His image. You look at the complexity and how amazing our bodies are that they function, that we live, that we can think, that we can make decisions, that we can have creative ideas and that we can create. Nothing else creates. We create. Nothing else was created in God's image. We were. You know what's amazing is Satan doesn't create. God is the creator. Satan perverts what God has created. God's the creator. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, and I love this, let us. It's the, it's, it's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from the beginning. Let us create man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Uh, this is just a side note. Those of you that are afraid of spiders, you have dominion over them. <laughs> Don't let them have dominion over you. The Word tells us that we have dominion over the earth. God has given us that. What has dominion of you? What has dominion of you? Now, Back to the Creator. What does it mean to be the Creator? What does that mean? If you created something, think about that. As the Creator, you created it. It's yours. You can change it. You can toss it. You can move it around a little bit. You can improve it. It's yours. That can't be taken away from you. You created it. Doesn't that give you certain rights as the creator? You own it. You can do with it what you want. You can change it. God created us in his image. He gave us our reason. He gave us our personality. He gave us our intellect. He gave us the capacity to relate. He gave us the ability to hear, to see, to speak. All of these are characteristics of God which he chose to reproduce in mankind. And he gave us dominion over the earth. 
God created us to be his kingdom agent. He created us to accomplish his will on the earth, to rule and subdue the rest of creation, including aggressive satanic forces. He has given us the ability to rule and reign here on the earth with him as king. With him not being king, we don't have that dominion. We may think, the world may think they have that dominion, but they don't. They don't. He has given that to the church. And he is our creator. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us and we not ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. What does that mean? Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us and we not ourselves. You know what that means? It means we are not our, our own. We are not ours. We are his. That goes for all of creation. That doesn't just go for those that have chosen Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. All of the earth is the Lord's. We are all His. We are not ourselves. We are His. He made us. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom, all things, from whom are all things, and we exist for Him. And one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through Him. We exist for the Father, and we exist through Jesus. Man, that's deep. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. You alone are the Lord. I really just want to stop there. I mean, I'm not done. I'm, I'm close. Paul in 1 Corinthians just said that you alone are God. Nehemiah here is saying you are the Lord. Do you not hear a fight that must go on with all men? Having to declare regularly that you are God. This is not a new fight. Because you struggle with it doesn't mean you're some uh, piece of trash. You're man. And we are battling the flesh and the spirit. I want you to catch how many times even today we may see, God, you are God. Even the prophets have to say it, God, you are God. Because we so quickly get ahead of ourselves. Even Moses, when he was delivering the children of Israel, God told him to do it a certain way. But Moses decided he would do it his way. The way he remembered doing it. Even Moses, who God spoke with face to face struggled with this, God here, we're here. All of a sudden, we kind of get out of balance. It's not a new thing. It happens. It happens to me. It happens to you. You alone are the Lord. It's a great way to start. God, I've got a problem today, and let me just start with saying, God, you're God, and I'm not. And I acknowledge you, and I'm seeking after you, knowing that you have the right answer for me. Tomorrow, you're going to face a challenge. 
Can you start that with, Lord, you are Lord? Let's not even give the challenge the first chair. That's a musical term. Have you ever heard the first chair of like a violin player or whatever? My problem can't have the first seat. If it has the first seat, I'm, I'm dead already. Your problem can't come first. God has to come first. If God will come first, your problem will submit and come under the authority of God. Man, that's a good word. Even if I did say it. All right, Nehemiah. You alone are God. You have made the heavens, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them, and the heavenly host bows before you. What does that say? We are his. And I think if you really want to look a little bit harder at it, he is ours. I am yours, and you are mine. But finally, point number two from today is God is the potter. Remember now, God's the creator. God's the potter. Isaiah chapter 64 says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. This metaphor here points to the sovereignty again of God in, in the fact that we are this object being placed on a wheel knowing that God has it full under control. When the Lord sits as the potter to, the, to begin to form the, the pot, He is in full control. And He has the right to mold the individual. He has the right to mold a nation. He has the right to mold history. And it's very, it's very important to understand that we were created to be molded. We were created to be molded. Scripture says we are to become in the image of Christ. We were created, you were created to be molded, to be changed, to be changed by God. Not by the world, by God. And there is a war at hand of the world trying to change you and God trying to change you. We are a mound on a wheel. Anybody here feel like a mound? Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. Don't you just love someone talking about food right when it gets to be about dinner time? We are a mound on a, wheel, on a wheel. Now catch this. Willing and desiring as a Christian, as a Christ follower, we place ourselves on that wheel, willing and desiring the Lord's hands to be placed upon us and to mold us and to make us into what He desires. When you give your heart to Christ, we've sang a few songs this morning about surrender. You know what that means? We are surrendering ourselves, our life, our marriage, our children, 
trusting that when God lays his hands on us, on our, on our self physically, on ourselves mentally, on our, on our marriages, on our jobs, on our families, trusting completely he knows just what he's doing. It is us willing and desiring the Lord to place his hands on us and mold us and shape us and change us into his desire. Jeremiah chapter 18 says, this is the message that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. I will give you my message there. So I went down to the potter's house and saw him working with, a clay, with clay at a wheel. He was making a pot from clay, but there was something wrong with the pot. So the potter used that clay to make another pot. With his hands, he shaped the pot in the way that he wanted it to be. Then his message from the Lord came to me. Family of Israel, you know that I can do the same thing with you. You are like the clay in a potter's hand, and I am the potter. This is the message from the Lord. Verse 7. There may come a time when I will speak about a nation or a kingdom that I will pull it up by its roots or tear it, and tear it down and destroy it. But if the people of that nation change their heart and lives and stop doing evil things, I will change my mind and not bring on them the disaster I planned. There may come another time when I speak about a nation that I will build up or plant. But if I see that nation doing evil things and not obeying me, I will think again about the good that I had planned to do for them. God is the potter. He is the creator. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But I want you to know that your decisions, we, we, have, we serve a God that for some reason, we had a question from one of our kids this week about this very thing. Why would even God give us a choice? Why would even God give us a choice? You can see that if the Lord is trying to build us up, but we choose a different direction, he will let us. And he will let us go in that wrong direction. We're not, he's not choosing that wrong direction for us. We are. But if that nation will turn, he'll undo all the bad that he had that was coming for that nation. Men and women, young people and older people, if we will change, he will undo all that stuff that's coming at us. He will remedy. He is the redeeming God. He can redeem your situation. Regardless of how bad you think it is. How bad you think it is doesn't even compute. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. Sweetie, will you share? It's a good word, isn't it? Um, and, and Pastor Paul and I were talking over coffee. We had a devotional. And we prayed together. I was getting my hair cut this week, and uh, um, Denise said to me, so how's the devotion thing going? And I hear her up there laughing, and I'm like, let me think. We didn't even do it this last Saturday. She didn't bring it up, but she's asking me, like, great, now everybody's going to be asking me, how's that devotion thing going? <laughs> well, we did it this Saturday morning, and it didn't go great, 
but we're getting there. Now, that's life. We have not arrived, but we're trying. How about you? God's only looking for triers. He's not looking for perfect people, praise God, because I would never make it. He's just looking for someone that's willing to try. Will you try my way? He says, do the natural, I'll do the supernatural. Amen. So, go ahead, sorry. Amen. So, he is looking for triers. Triers, I'm trying. Um, so, so, we were talking yesterday over coffee, and I wasn't the only one talking, which was good. That was um, a miracle. That was a miracle. And that was part of the fight. <laughs> But ha- having said all of that, um, one of the things that, that stood out, out to me about this, um, you know, that we're the clay on the potter's wheel, and, and it's that verse 4 that says, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again into another vessel. And, you know, that really stands out to me because I don't know if some of you have ever felt like in your life that it's like, oh, man. I feel a little messed up. I, I, don't, I think I'm pretty cracked. I think I'm pretty misshapen right now. And it's like the Lord, you can just feel those moments in your life where he's like, you know what? Let's just redo. Let's just do it again. Let's just, I'm just going to form you into something else. And, you know, I can tell you that's happened to me over my life several times, more times than probably I would like to care to admit. And it's usually a little bit painful, but it's good. And I just want to remind you, and just like we did talk about, um, it was actually Ruth Ann this week when we talked about, and honey, I'm not going to embarrass you, but this week it, it, was, it was that shooting that happened in that church. She said, why, why does that happen? Why did God let this happen? It makes no sense. And, you know, we had to talk about how, you know, God created us with, with, our, with a, our free will, you know, that we have a, we have a choice. And that person had a choice. That person had a choice to walk into a church and do that. And that's really a sad thing. But you know what? God's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. And he doesn't force his way on us. And he doesn't stick us up on that that wheel and say, you have to be what I want you to be. He just says, you know what? It's your choice. And so I just want to remind you today, I think that we as a church should be a bold people. And we should be a people that submits our life to the Lord and says, you know what? I'm willing to get on that that potter's wheel. It it may be a little bit painful, but when I mess up, I'm willing to get back up there and allow the Lord to reshape me in the way that he wants me to be. And you know what? I want to stay there. I want to stay there. It's better to be on that wheel. It really is. And it's okay with me. I would rather be there than anywhere else. I would really rather be there. And you know what? It's always better. And, you know, here's the thing that we were talking about this week is, you know, when Job got restored, it was better. It was better. And, you know, you can't see that in the middle of it, but it's better. And I can tell you through testimony in my life, it's better. When I allow the Lord to reshape me, remake me, redo, let's start all over because I've really goofed this up, it's better. His plans are better. And I just want to remind you of one other thing, and it's in Revelation, and I know that Pastor Paul had been teaching on this on Wednesday nights, but um, 
it's Revelations 3, Revelation 3, um, verse 20. And I, I think this is such a reminder. Um, and this is in red. It's Jesus speaking. And he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And, you know, I feel like it's an invitation. He's not going to force us. But he's like, you know, I'm just standing here at the door and I'm knocking. I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. And will you just answer? Will you just open the door and just hop up here on the wheel and let's just make you into something beautiful? Because I've got a great plan. He's got a great plan. It's a good thing. And you know what? We can trust him. We can trust him. So I'm willing to, pray. to stay on that wheel. Ask people to come okay. right where they're sitting. Not to come forward, but right where they're sitting okay. to get on the wheel. Okay. So Pastor Paul's just asking me to pray. So I do think this is a good opportunity for us to just commit ourselves to the Lord. And just let's just close our eyes and with nobody looking around, let's just let's just throw this question out there that, you know, are you at a place where you just feel like, you know what? I've kind of had my life in my own hands, and I'm really ready to surrender to you, Lord. I'm really to hop. I'm I'm ready to hop up on that potter's wheel, because Lord, I'm believing that you're the potter and I'm the clay, and I'm ready for you to make me into what you want me to be. And so, if that's you, I would just encourage you to raise your hand right where you are, and just surrender yourself this morning. Thank you. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you. And you know what? God sees those hands. He sees those hands this morning. And so right now, let's just pray together. And let's just submit ourselves to God. Father God, we come in this morning, Lord. And we just declare, Lord, that you're our Savior. Jesus, you're our Savior. And we just repent of any sins in our life. Uh, church, I just encourage you right now, you don't have to say it out loud, but just um, ask the Lord to search your heart of any sin in your life and just repent of that now and just give him that. So Lord, I thank you right now, Lord, as, as these things have flooded our minds and our hearts right now, Lord, that we just, we just, um, repent of those sins, Lord. And we just turn away, God. And we just thank you right now for your cleansing blood that washes us, that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And God, right now, we just step on, up on your potter's wheel. We just, we just step up there, God. And we just, we just say, make us, Lord. Mold us, God. Our life is yours. Shape us into what you have for us, God. Lord, we just repent of our own way, God. We just repent, Lord, and we just say, have your way, God. Have your way, God. You're good and you're faithful, Lord. And you've got a good plan, and we thank you for that. Lord God, I thank you for your word that says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you says God, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. And God, right now, I just thank you for this people, Lord. I thank you, God, for those hands raised, Lord God. And I thank you for creating something new. 
something beautiful, Lord, for bringing restoration into the broken places, God. Thank you, God, that we're new creations in you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.